Welcome in, everybody, to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, the podcast of your two favorite youth pastors, Kyle and Derek, where everything is made up and the points don't matter. That's right. The points are like instructing your students to stay seated and keep their hands to themselves during the sermon. Oh, gosh. It or doesn't matter. Worship. Worship's even worse. Ooh, that's true. Yeah. I had, uh, so we're recording this on a Thursday and none of my middle school boys, I'm confident, are listening to this message, uh, this, this <laughs> I'm episode. Confident. Uh, they weren't listening to the message, so there's no way they're taking time to listen to a podcast. Uh, they, we had a response time after the message, uh, we went back into worship and they're like all standing in the corner, arms around each other, swaying slowly back and forth in one long line. Uh, and I thought to myself, oh, that's sweet. If only they were like actually doing that because they were praying for each other and felt a deep sense of camaraderie. No, definitely not. No, they're just bored and weird. They also, uh, sometimes that's the in- the demographic whereby there's some intentional offbeat clapping. Oh, 100%. Yep. Just to yeah. kind of try to what mess was with the, things. Uh, what was the dumbest thing you remember doing? Uh, when you were in middle school. See, that's I didn't really go to youth group in middle school. No, no, no not youth group. Oh. Just in general, what's one oh, of the dumbest gosh. things you did in middle school? This um, is such a fun conversation. Th- this is this, you're, you're catching and potentially me off, dangerous. Off. Do you need me to go first? To yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, dumb things, Kyle. Where do I start? Um, I got detention. I think I've talked about this on the podcast. I got detention once because I threw a mole, uh, like the animal. Um, I got detention. Did I get detention? Yeah, I got detention once because I threw a kickball and hit a girl in the face. Nice. Uh, well, the the reason I got detention was because it was on purpose. Uh, I don't think the action itself warranted detention. But the very next day, a bunch of our class got detention for doing something with a kickball, and me and my one friend were genuinely not involved. And like it took sev- like a ton of convincing of the principal that we were actually like not anywhere near what was going mm-hmm. on, uh, which was the truth. But uh, it, it, I almost got detention two days in a row for, uh, and one of them was something I didn't even do. But uh, all right. I oh I almost got detention once because I danced the Irish jig behind my teacher while she was trying to teach. <laughs> you did not. I did. <laughs> Forgot about that the one. The Irish jig. Oh my gosh! You uh, you lived a very frivolous life, one that I can't I can't share. I so mean, the last one, and this is uh, this is a good. Th- well, it's not really a good or bad thing. It's just kind of a weird thing that I did in middle school, but it has a really pure of heart ending. And so this feels like a good one for me to end on. Uh, when I was in middle school, this is like the genesis of Facebook as like being a really big thing. And so I remember like we, we had this picture of, it was like, I wasn't even, I don't even know if I was in the picture. I think I was in the background of the picture, but there was like three of us or three people sitting on a couch in the classroom. Uh, cause we just had some free time. We were goofing around and they were sitting on the couch and we, uh, for some reason, we, somebody posted this picture on Facebook and we just kept commenting back and forth, like really like I just comment like Merry Christmas, but each comment was a different letter spelling out Merry Christmas and, and other people would do similarly stupid things. Uh, and it got to the point where there was over 9,000 comments, uh, on this picture. Well, Fast forward, and this is the the downer part of the story, is uh, one of the girls uh, in the picture ended up passing away. 
And, uh, and so we, somehow this picture got revisited, uh, and comments kept pouring in and this is, we're all in college at this point. Yep. And we elected as a group, we got the picture cause this girl had a healthy amount of comments sure. on the photo. And, uh, and so we got to the point where we had 9,999 comments on this photo. And then, uh, we had her mom come in and do the 10,000th comment and then we left it No way. after that. So that was I, it's super weird and stupid thing, uh, to like, we're just racking up thousands and thousands of comments on one Facebook photo. Uh, but we, you know, it was a kind of a cool, uh, ending to, uh, to the story. So that's, that's. Kyle as a middle school. I have right nothing there. to share after that. Oh, come that, on. That, that extensive, <laughs> that extensive of a story. Like, okay, what are some dumb things I did? Okay, well, my friend and I caught a fish, stuffed leaves in its mouth, and then he punted it into the pond. Okay. That are you was, serious? Yes. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> He, what? to be clear, it was more, it was more of, he did all of that. I just kind of stood by and watched him, sure. you know, but like, I definitely didn't try to stop it, which like, I'm not I love proud how of. that is a core memory for you. <laughs> like what's, what's a dumb thing I did in middle school? Well, my friend and I stuffed leaves into a fish's mouth and then kicked it into the ocean, kicked it into the pond. Yeah. Well. Great. <laughs> You know what? My my when my wife a listens psychopath. to this, yes, I know. When my wife listens to this, she's not going to be happy. That is I she not going to be that. happy, or is there going to be a ring that slowly slides off her finger? I sure hope not. Like, that- you need to reprove to me that you are worth this ring. Wow, wow. I I, I, I hope not. I think you, you, you for speaking that into existence. Make sure I'm just going to like not even mention anything about it. But knowing you, you'll text her and be like, as soon as this drops, you'll be like, hey. So. We have an actual quick question of the day that we will get to, but we are only six minutes in, so we have four minutes to kill with nonsense before we get to the quick question. Now, so, so the quick question of the day now can transcend the first ten minutes. We're, yes, we're getting progressively worse. If we are, we really are. Uh, so we, if you listened to our last episode, you are aware that we had some serious date mismanagement. <laughs> serious. It was bad. We, we do have a Instagram contest going on. Uh, yep. if, you, if you find us on Instagram, how not underscore YP, and uh, you can... It, we want you to message us what's your favorite part of the show, and it will en- that enters you in to win a $25 gift card of your choosing. Of your choosing. Uh, I was joking it could be to White Castle, but it could literally it, be to anywhere. Absolutely. Uh, if you want it to be a White Castle gift card, we'll make it happen. Yep. Uh, but uh, so we were having this conversation, and we had dates all wrong. Uh, but we are recording this. So this is coming out on May 11th. This one actually is coming out on May 11th. Yep, proud of you. Way to get uh, it right. Yep, I had to make sure. Uh, but we're recording it April 27th mm-hmm. at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. Our time. Uh, for our South African and Australia listeners, I have no idea what time it is there, and I'm not even going to try <laughs> to guess. In, in Australia, it might be the next day. Uh, it probably is. But uh, we, it is the NFL draft. In about six hours. Yep. And so Derek is a big Minnesota Vikings fan. Uh, as as big a Viking fan as you can be in this lonely, depressing state with you. this lonely, depressing team. That's accurate. And I am a big New Orleans Saints fan. So yep. my question to you, Derek, and I will answer uh, after you, is what can the Vikings do in the draft tonight 
that would make you even more depressed as a fan as you already are? Like, what's one of the most depressing things you can think of for them to do with their first round pick tonight? Do what they always do, <laughs> which is take, draft a cornerback who's absolutely worthless. <laughs> that's going to bust and be terrible. So ironically, I part of the reason I asked this because I thought we might have similar answers. Uh, the Vikings have taken several corners in the first and second rounds in recent drafts, and almost all of them have been terrible, like Derek said. The Saints have done the exact same thing with defensive ends. <laughs> we keep taking defensive end after defensive end, and they all suck. And I am really terrified. And we still need one because all the ones we've did, like you guys, your corners still is a They're need terrible. because they have all been bad. And we lost and our to be fair, to be fair, one of the corners got released from the team because he like is in jail now. So maybe he was still a good that's football even, player. That's even more disappointing though. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, he could still be a good football player, but he lost his chance. Uh, for the Saints, it's been the same thing. Like tons of defensive ends drafted, and they have not been very good. And so now we still need a defensive end. And it feels so depressing to keep drafting the same position over and over again. Look, this season's already a win because we don't have to see Aaron Rodgers twice a year. Hey, so that is true. Uh, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers coming to quarterback the Vikings in two years? He won't. And I would not cheer for him straight up. Really? Mm-mm. Wow. I cannot stand him. If you're an A-Rodge fan, hey, power to you. But I, like, when Brett Favre came to the Vikes, right? Like, yeah. everyone hated him. But, like, okay, he's on our team now. Let's cheer for him. I would staunchly stand behind. I would not cheer for Aaron Rodgers if he was wearing purple. Wow. That is, uh, that is, I think the only thing that could make it worse for you is if Kevin O'Connell stepped down as the coach. And as the Vikings traded for Aaron Rodgers, they also brought in Sean Payton as their coach. That's the only thing that would make Derek's blood boil more for that situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, the actual quick question of the day. Which will probably uh, take another 10 minutes. But uh, hopefully okay. not. Uh, no, we're only... Oh, no, we are at 10. Uh, you have $1,000 in cash. Yep. And 24 hours to do something with it. Not to buy something, but to do something with it. What are you doing? Yep. And to be clear, after 24 hours, you're dead. Oh, that (laughs) is not written in the show doc. (laughs) I did not not know that that was part of this deal. It's not. If you're going to throw me a curveball as we start off, I just start you off with a curveball. Oh, dear. Okay. So my wife and I, we're going to have a very somber goodbye to our kids. Okay. Like... She's coming with me. We're both going to die at 24 hours. Oh, this is a... I I thought you were going to like go into this backstory of a question. Like My wife and I were talking, and we asked this question, so then I wanted to ask you on the podcast. No, no, <laughs> you're jumping straight into it. Oh, you absolutely. are dying in 24 hours. 100%. You have $1,000 in cash. What are you going to do? I feel like if you... like, Do you know you're going to die in 24 hours? Because if I know I'm dying in 24 hours, I'm taking, like, I'm pretty sure I have more than $1,000 in my savings account right now. I'm taking the whole thing. I'm not just limiting myself to $1,000. <laughs> you're right. When I when I put this question in the show, Doc, I definitely did not plan to add, you're dying, but it's yeah, not like a fun that's twist. That's fair. So we'll go back to the original. Okay. I, I, you're I, not I, dying. No, you're but, not dying. But, but you do have, you have the $1,000, you yep. have 24 hours. Yep. And you lose whatever of the $1,000 that you do not Correct. end up spending. Correct. All right. 
So I want to go to Hawaii with my wife because you could get to Hawaii for a thousand bucks between the two of you. It might be a, a scary flight over, but and it'd probably burn almost all your funds. Spirit Airlines, baby. But it's like, I mean, you'd know. It's like a it's like a trek to get over there. So you that is like, accurate. You lose lose like half your time. So on the plane, disagree. Well, it's okay. Like it is. Yeah, I so feel you're, like you're, it's a four or five hour. I think it's a four hour flight from the West Coast. But on the way back, you do like, like you can you gain some time on the way there and then lose it on the way back but or something like for that. For the sake of this experiment, when you leave your house with your thousand dollars, there's a clock that starts, and at twenty four hours, all right, things done. So, all right, this is uh, this is gonna be tricky. So you're going to Hawaii? No, I'm I'm gonna take Meg to the Carolinas. Okay. We're gonna land on the west coast, or not the west side of the sand, the west coast. The, the west, west side, side of, of, North, of Carolina. North Carolina. We're gonna go drive through the mountains, have some nice little breakfast, little brunch action. Then we're gonna drive across North Carolina because it's not that wide. Yeah. Hit the beach and end the day on the beach because road trips are fun with my wife. We have a good time. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll listen to some of the initials game. Shout out to obviously uh, the Power Trip Morning Show. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, we'll have a good road trip and then end the night watching the sunset go down in a hammock and, uh, off we go. That's cute. I like it. Uh, Derek's dream 24 hours is be- sitting in a car. Um, I think it's also kind of sad, but also I was going to ask if your kids were there. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, no, the no. as long as I'm not dying, they're definitely not coming with me. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't blame you. Um, how are you spending a thousand dollars? That that feels high for that. Okay, well, flights right now are bonkers. That's so true. Half of it's going to air yeah. fare. You have to get a rental car because you're gonna need one of those over there. And when I say like we're gonna have brunch and dinner, like oh, this is oh, they're like I mean, nice you're on meals. the coast, so you do some yeah. fresh seafood, surf and turf. I like it. Yep. Uh, what what airport is in um, like Raleigh? You flying into? Uh, either that or Charlotte. We'll go Charlotte. We're gonna look up. Uh, so today, so we're gonna go next weekend, like a Friday to Saturday thing. We'll see what uh, the internet can find you as a flight. Thank you. Uh, hopefully under five hundred dollars, so that you and your wife can both go, and then uh, why that three under five hundred? Because you only have a thousand dollars. So if it, if the oh, one I, flight I, is I, under five hundred, two flights saying. would be under a thousand. I see what you're saying. Oh no, dude, I'm looking at a. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the, I I think this is the cheap. Yeah, the cheapest flight that I can find you right now is flying on Frontier Airlines, which is not a huge step up from Spirit, uh, but <laughs> the layovers in Denver. <laughs> Someone explain to me, <laughs> like you're looking West. at a map. You guys know if you live in America, you know where Minneapolis is, and you know where North Carolina is. Denver is not on the way. Uh, but so that's only that's under two hundred dollars. Yeah, for that what, flight. What, what's the layover? But if you go up to two fifty, the layover is only an hour. But if you go, but it's a seven hour total travel. Yep. If you go up to two hundred and fifty dollars, it's a two hour nonstop flight from Minneapolis to Charlotte. I think that's where you. Oh, that go. that's a that's an absolute no no brainer for sure. Yep. Okay. Uh, do you think I can sort these by most expensive? <laughs> like, how do I how do I see? 
the most expensive. I don't know. We're not doing this right now. <laughs> I should have known okay, getting so what, numbers uh, into you is going to unlock a whole side of you that oh, yeah, no of one's course. ready for. Uh, so what am I going to do? I will, I will likewise, uh, I, I feel like, you know, taking the wife, my wife loves travel. Yep. And so, uh, I think right now, um, you know, I would, I would head over Grand Canyon. Uh, you know, we, we have not, uh, neither of us have. And so Grand Canyon, uh, a national, national park, you know, Grand Canyon, uh, Yosemite, Yellowstone. Are those in the same... I don't know my national parks very well. Uh, even like going out to California and doing like redwoods, mm-hmm. I think would be fun. Um, I and and you didn't expressly say this, but uh, I feel like the stipulations of the game do not require us to return That's to correct. our home status in yep. twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. So I can put the return flight on not the thousand dollars. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so that just one direct flight is probably cheaper. Uh, so we'll fly there. Uh, you know, probably take five or six hundred bucks and and throw it all on red, and, and see if we can double it, and then, um, you know, go from there. I I think that that's uh, that's a great plan. Remind me, um, when you renew your credentials every year, is there yep. any clause in there about gambling? There is. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm not supposed to do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is a fictional game okay. where I'm not licensed, so I can do whatever I want. Also, I my wife isn't credentialed, so she could just That's do fair. it. That's fair. That's 100% accurate. Loopholes. <laughs> Should we jump into this What episode? are people learning from our podcast? That loopholes oh, are good... And you should vacation without your kids. It, if they're learning anything from this this tirade that we call a podcast, yeah, um, it's all the it's the things they are learning are not inherently what we're talking about most of the time. Probably not. No, no, which is okay. I'm okay with that. So, what are we talking about today, Derek? Today we are talking about the leadership slump or any leadership slump, for that matter. Uh, you hear this a lot in the athletic realm, right? Especially in the terms of baseball, I've heard of this. Like batters will go through slumps where, you know, they they can't make contact with the ball. Their batting average is, is down. Like they just, their performance is bad. And then they call that a slump. This slump that we're talking about in terms of leadership is a little bit more conceptual, a little bit more, uh, you know, psychological, I guess you could say. Uh, we're talking about how this slump that you have would probably be more adequately be considered like leadership fatigue. You know, like, like you, you've been, you've been leading an organization, you've been leading a church, you've been leading a ministry, you've been leading, you know, your, your employees at a secular job. You ready for this one? Yeah. You've been leading your family. Wow. See that, but that's like actually accurate. So that would work yeah. like you, but you get to this spot where it's like, as the leader, you just kind of feel stuck in this lethargic state of leading, you know, like it's for all those, I, I don't know, I kind of grew up, you know, in this mindset or this thought that like being a leader just sounds awesome. You get to tell people what to do. You kind of like, you know, carry some influence, carry some, you know, some power, I guess you could say like growing up, I was like, it'd be so cool to be a leader of a big organization. But the reality is leading is hard and leading is tiring. Leadering, 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 uh, leadership is, is tiring, you know, and it, it really kind of does take a toll on you physically, spiritually, emotionally, the whole gamut. And so, you know, 
we before we even kind of get into how to overcome this leadership slump, uh, I think it's also kind of insightful to know what are some like indicators or symptoms of like this leadership fatigue or this leadership slump. I'll start with my good friend Kyle as yeah. the youth pastor that he is. I that is true. And father I am and a youth husband pastor. and father, husband, friend, co-worker. Grand Canyon extraordinaire. What? Grand Canyon extraordinaire. <laughs> Well, I am not yet. I, I have yet to embark on this twenty-four hour thousand dollar thing. Um but uh I am uh obviously a pastor, as is Derek. And and I think that you know there's we'll get to some, you know, signs of of this kind of slump that we're talking about of just leaders in general. Mm-hmm. Uh in in a, actually, you know what? We'll we'll do those first because uh you know, these could be true of pastors as well. Uh, you know, I, I think one of them is just whenever systems tend to displace, uh, personal connection Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, you know what, it's not even systems. It's just whenever the personal connections get displaced, uh, you know, as a leader, some of the most personal or some of the most important personal connections you need to have are the people directly underneath you. Correct. Uh, as a lead pastor, if you do not if you're not intentional continually about building relationships with your staff, then you're going to lose your staff. Right. Uh, you know, they might not want to work there anymore. They're not going to feel like they are very tied into the vision of the church as a whole. Uh, and you know, this is, I, we said leaders in general, but this is, a, <laughs> I'm going to talk about this from a pastoral standpoint for a second. The pastor of a church is the pastor of the church. Mm-hmm which is the most profound thing I've said ever. Um, the pa- the lead pastor of a church, for the most part, more often than not, is also the lead pastor of the people on the staff. Mm-hmm. If the lead pastor is not intentional about building and maintaining relationships with his staff or her staff, uh, they cease to be the pastor of the people on their staff, which long-term has a bunch of really bad side effects mm-hmm. you and I could sit here naming for hours. Yep. But uh, I, I think that the personal connections are important. I think that uh, you know, when the people underneath you are discontent and, and there's an unrest that you feel like you can't really put your finger on, uh, I'd say it's probably because... Uh, you know, there's been a little bit of a, for lack of a better word, complacency mm-hmm. that has set in. Another one that I'll say here that's leaders in general uh, would be if if you just feel like creativity isn't there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're you're kind of you you feel stuck. Uh, creatively, most jobs have at least a tiny degree of creativity to them, and even if that creativity is only present in problem solving, right. Uh, but that is like, if there, if, if creativity is hard, if creativity is, you know, it feels like such a chore, uh, I I think that that's a good kind of symptom as well. Yeah. And those all kind of feed into each other. You know, you think about like, if you're not personal with your staff, your, your staff are going to have the demands of their job yet also not have the reward and fulfillment of knowing they're a part of the team, you know? And that and di- they won't feel like they have an ear to bounce stuff. Off Absolutely, of for sure. You know, and you know that that whole 
that creative piece to your point. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I oversee a team of accountants. Like there is no creativity in my job <laughs> where it's like, okay, that might be true, but at the same time, like, so I got one for you. Yeah. You oversee a team of accountants because apparently that's the most... Bo- I, I was going to say apparently that's the most boring job Derek can come up with, but I don't disagree. It sounds like like that's just a notoriously... It's, it's, it's not that it's boring. It's, it, it is literally the definition of cut and dry. Like Your job as the yeah. accountant is to make sure everything is in its proper place. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but uh, what is the uh, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell... Well, they've got uh, several movies. The here. other guys. Um, the other guys. Where thank you, where Will Ferrell's character said, like he basically says, like he was tired of of all of the drama and the chaos of his life, and so he decided to become a an auditor at a police department <laughs> because it like an accountant for law and order was the like most boring stable structured job he could think of. Yep, and uh, that's what came to my mind, which. Yeah, I not recommended for young audiences, but yeah, a sure. hilarious movie nonetheless. Absolutely. Um, but I would uh I would heavily agree with that. I think that a leader of a team of accountants, like how can I appreciate my account? How can I appreciate my team? Yeah. You know, how can I pour into them and help them grow? Those are aspects that I think that creativity plays a big role yep. uh, for any leader, you know, pouring into your team and, and appreciating them and, uh, you know, building them up are important. Yep. And so then if, if that creativity isn't there, then you probably aren't doing those things. Absolutely. Which is a problem. Yeah. Well, and again, this trends is over into, into the pastoral realm too. So, you know, if you are a pastor listening to this to any capacity, let me know if this sounds like something you've experienced before. If you are in this leadership fatigue, if we don't even have to change the episode of that, because leadership fatigue sounds better than leadership slump. Uh, but in any case, we haven't published it, so it'd be pretty easy to do. Let's do it. All right, let's do done. it. Pastors, when you are fatigued as a leader, sermon prep just is a struggle. Uh, it feels like you're preaching the same things over and over and over again. You feel like you don't have any like full on, you know, new ideas or new revelations from God. That, that's a real thing is sometimes it's like, God, show me something new. Or like, what do you want to speak to your people? I feel like I'm just recurgitating the same thing over and over again. You end up going through the motions. You know, like you laughed. But I, there- I did because if... I think so what you're saying is true but if you feel like you're preaching the same things over and over again that is not necessarily automatically going to mean that you know, your sermon prep is a struggle it doesn't work both ways because sometimes God wants you to preach the same thing over and over again because you have the most stubborn group of sheep that he has ever seen and you got to preach the same thing to like every youth pastor said amen. Yep. You got to preach the same thing more than one time in order for them to actually understand it. I would be so curious to like like take 2 years and like I'm going to preach through a bunch of sermons year 1 and then year 2 I'm going to go back to the beginning and preach the exact same sermons it's again a different title. and see how many people notice. Yeah. That'd be hilarious. Absolutely. And it, it happens. I feel like people just regurgitate or they again but they'll take the sermon and just kind of give it a few little twists yeah. and a new title yeah. and like I mean it's sometimes it's necessary but yep. like you're saying a lot of times like a pastor can get stuck in that rut because like the creativity isn't there. Yep. The, like, I feel I, I'm relying on God just like 
miraculously giving me visions of what to preach. And if that doesn't come, I don't have any other methods of deciding what to preach. Right. Uh, that can be a struggle for Absolutely. sure. And, you know, that kind of trickles into what you talked about with the lack of creativity. This is the one that I've seen a lot is a lot of leaders who are in a slump, who are fatigued. Uh, they're vision casting, they're dreaming, they're, they're new ideas and fresh concepts. They're at an all time low, you know, it's kind of like, Hey, this event's coming up. We're going to do it again. So we did it last year and yeah. Any questions, you know, like rather than, you know, I've I found one of the things is it's so easy. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. You know, it's so easy to kind of just settle for what's been done before uh, because you're so busy dealing with things that are more urgent. So you don't have time to actually get away and just kind of think about what what's something that we've never done before. You know, what is it that God's put on my heart that I haven't stepped into yet? Like when you get so tired as a leader you almost don't want to because you're so tired in what you're doing right now. The thought of introducing something new feels like an impossible task. Kind of like, yeah. Hey, you're running a 5k. And when you get to, you know, a 5k is 3.1 miles. When you're at mile 2.9, you realize, Oh, we got the course wrong. You actually got to go another mile that way. Gross. You know, like that, that's kind of how, when you are fatigued as a leader, that's kind of like what a new idea feels like. It's like, I'm, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do any more, you know, new ideas. Uh, in which case, you know, going into the office feels like a chore. You know, it's no longer like you get up in the morning and you're excited for something you're going to do. Like the reality is, okay, and pastoral no exemption. I know a few people in the world who love every single element of their job. Like there are going to be things that you don't necessarily love about your job, but as a general rule of thumb, when you're excited about pastoring and if you're called to do it, like you love doing it, you know, you love getting up and having these events and, but when you're fatigued, maybe not, you know, and this is kind of, I think the last one that is when you are really in the slump, you kind of start to really question who you are in your identity. So you don't lead your family as well as you used to. You don't lead your teams as you used to. You don't necessarily, you know, pastor in the same way because you are just straight up exhausted. And it's not inherently a bad thing, right? Like your identity is consistent if it's in Christ. However, when you are fatigued, you just don't see yourself through your true identity. And so you kind of just start to feel that fatigue on a whole new level. Yeah. And and so there's a lot of... uh, there's, there's a lot of things that can point to being in a slump. Uh, I think that for any listeners who or, or you know are feeling that leadership fatigue, any listeners who are in that right now, uh, you know you need to get half of one of those out there and they're like, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel that. Mm-hmm. I really do. And so uh, I want we, we want to take some time here to uh, to talk about you know how do we get out of you know that feeling of leadership fatigue? Uh, you know, how do, how do we get out of this, uh, you know, this slump, like, like we kind of described it. And so, uh, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, ways to, to get out of it. I think that, uh, you know, one of them might be, uh, rest, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, the higher you rise in leadership, the more and stress more stressful work tends to be uh and, and so you know if you like if you work for an organization that gives you a finite number of vacation days 
you should be taking those vacation days. Uh, you know, and, and this is not like a selfish use it or lose it thing. It might be, uh, you know, for some people, but I, I think that people fail to recognize and, and America sucks at vacation days in general. Uh, you know, we suck at giving our employees time off, but part of the reason that those days are there is for balance to be there. I would, I think we could all argue that there needs to be more vacation days for most jobs, but if you are not taking the amount of vacation that you're allotted, oftentimes, you know, you're probably some other area of your life is going to be sacrificing. And if you're not taking those, if you're not taking vacation days and you are rising quickly in your job, I would bet a lot of my money. I'd bet my thousand dollars from earlier <laughs> that your personal life is not where you wish it was. Absolutely. Uh, because something is, something's going to be, something's got to give falling short. Yeah. And so that, I, I think that that's really important is you know, we need to, uh, you know, we need to take those vacations. We need to, uh, you know, take just days to be with family. Uh, you know, let the weekends be the weekends, uh, you know, whatever it is. I think that, uh, resting physically, spiritually, emotionally, like all those, I, th- I think that that's probably a decent place to start. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where, I think a lot of times we think that physical rest is, is, is strictly the answer. Um, you know, because it's one of those things of, you know, you, you have a young child. And so, um, you are feeling the grind of like, we're not getting a ton of physical sleep. Right. Um, you know, like there, there is that. And so it can be the, the reality is that when you are low on sleep, just it doesn't matter what's going on. You just, you see the world differently when you're sleep deprived, you know? Um, so like people look at when they've been going crazy and they are in this leadership fatigue, you know, they go to bed at nine o'clock the next night and get 10 hours of sleep, 11 hours of sleep. And they wake up and go, I don't really feel any different. It's like, well, okay. That's probably because, yeah, you just got some physical rest, but your emotional and spiritual rest, it takes longer to regenerate. Yeah, I will say studies show that for every night of sleep that you come up short, you need two nights of sleep to catch up. Right. And so don't sell yourself short after one good night of sleep. And then you're like, all right, I'm good now. Yeah. Or, or all right, like that didn't work. I'm going to try something else instead and only go back to only getting four hours of sleep. The thing you're going to find with this episode is if you are in this leadership slump, depending how far you are in it, um, it's not going to be, it's rarely going to be just a, this is one solution and, sure. and we're done. It's, it's going to sure. be, you know, a culmination of a, a bunch of these things because the reality is pastors, you are literally in the business of bearing burdens of people spiritually and emotionally. And that gets heavy and that gets tiring, especially over time. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you don't realize how tired you are until you are completely, completely exhausted. And so, you know, it's important for you to go on vacation and get some physical rest. Absolutely. But when's the last time you got onto a personal pastoral retreat where you were in a room or a cabin by yourself for a day and just like, you, you know, I've talked about this. Like, I just want to get my Bible and a journal and just go sit in a room and just be with God for a day or two. 
and just completely let all of that emotional weight just fall at his feet. Yeah. You know, like, like I, like we're craving that. When's the last time like you're on the weekend and you actually did nothing. Cause that's the other thing is like, okay, I'm, I'm on the weekend. And so like, cool, you know, I'm just gonna, now I'm going to stain my deck because I've been wanting to do that lately. And I got to, you know, pressure wash the driveway. And you have all these things that, yes, you are off, but you're not actually doing doing it. And so along with that lack of rest, I think that kind of goes into a big reason people get fatigued in leadership is an overcrowded schedule and this constant state of hurry. I've mentioned this in a book. I continue to go back to it because I, just, I am so aware of how I am living in this constant state of hurry that John Mark Comer, he wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Phenomenal book. And it's kind of just put me on this track of just self-discovery and just kind of knowing where I'm at. But this was super interesting to me, Kyle. So LinkedIn, which I think you're familiar with. I think a lot of people are familiar with LinkedIn. I am, yes. Very reputable, you know, business uh, website and platform. Uh, they ran a study of 140 different business professionals. Um, and they asked a bunch of questions about, you know, hurry and busyness and everything else. And 90% said that an overcrowded schedule significantly impacted their ability to be creative. Mm. Like, like when you are so busy, it significantly impacts like what you're creative. Cause here's, here's kind of like where I ascertain why, where that comes from. Like when you are hustling and you're overcrowded in your schedule, you always settle for what's urgent and pressing over what's important. I alluded to this earlier, but what I mean by that is, you know, rather than getting away and, you know, sitting down and strategizing and praying, where's our church going? Where's our youth ministry going in the next three months, six months? Where do we want to be in five years from now? Instead, you are, you know, tightening up the the broken board on the Gaga ball pit because that's happening tonight. And oh crap, I got to get those forms submitted for the mission team. And I got to do all these things that are urgent and pressing right here and right now. But you do that over and over and over again. And all of a sudden now you've sacrificed strategizing what's important in your life. Uh, I'm going to be really honest with you, Derek. I do actually have forms for the mission team that I need to send. So I'm just making a yeah. reminder for myself real quick. Did you legit just do that? I legitimately <laughs> just did that, yes. <laughs> I, um, I just made yes. a little note on my phone. I was like, oh yeah, I need to send an email to some parents because they haven't turned their forms in yet. Good call. Thank you, Derek. Uh, but is that not like literally what happens, right? Oh, like, yeah. like you're in the yeah. middle of something and you go, oh crap, I got to do this. And as you're doing that, you figure out, oh, I got to do this and well, I got to do that. Ironically, the one of the other big things on my to-do list revolves around our Gaga ball pit, which was this, the other example that you gave. So yeah. you're really, uh, the Lord's speaking I'm, to Derek I'm, over I'm, there, man. I'm, I don't I'm know what in to tune you. right now. In tune with the spirit. Uh, yeah, so... I, uh, I, I, this is one, this is not at all what we're talking about right now, but when it comes to praying and, and spending time in prayer, the devil loves to distract. And I am a huge fan of pray, spending time praying with a little piece of paper and a pencil mm -hmm. or a pen right next to you. Like something like that happens like, oh, I got to send that out. Like those are the kinds of thoughts that come when you're praying. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Real quick, write it down and then get back to praying. Yeah. Like, boom, the devil doesn't win because I'm still praying and I don't get distracted because I know I wrote it down and I'll remember it so that thought can leave my mind. There's a book called, uh, gosh, I'm going to butcher Bible. it now. It's a great book. Um, oh, not the one you're talking about I think though? It, I think it's when you, it's called, uh, when pleasing you is killing me. Oh, um, that's really like a good fun book. book. It, she, she talked about how 
in her prayer life, uh, she kind of gave this word picture of, uh, I don't eat much for salads. Um, I kind of attribute to the Ron Swanson model of, you know, why am I eating what my food eats? Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but like, like legitimate salad dressing, like the really fancy stuff, right? Like when you set it on a table and it settles, all the yep. oil kind of rises to the top and all of the substance is down below. She talked about how for so long she'd go into her prayer life and hit her prayer time. And she had all these things that were just like she was worried about. And so she talked about how, like, she would just say, like, write those things down that she was thinking about that are on her to-do list or that were stressing her out so that she could she, – so she talked about, like, pouring the oil off the top so you could get back down to the substance and the stuff below mm. it, you know, which yeah. I thought was really, really insightful. Um, but, no, dude, you're, you're, you're spot on. And, you know, the, the last thing I want to mention is when it comes to, like, leadership. Go ahead. Second to last thing. Actually, well, I'm going to jump in with one Please because do. Uh, we were talking about it before we hit record here. Uh, my next tip for how to get out of it is going to go completely against everything we just said. <laughs> uh, and, and we talk about like a lot of a lot of our advice here. Like these are tools in the toolkit, right? Yep. The, these are not going to be one thing fixes everything for you. Yep. And it's not going to be, you know, the same solution for everybody. Uh to keep with the sports analogy of a slump, mm-hmm. uh, if if Steph Curry has a bad game shooting the three, or like a string ev- of bad games, or a string of bad games, which doesn't happen to him often, because uh, he's awesome. But the NBA shooters, like three point shooters in basketball, know that like you just have to shoot your way out of a slump. You just have to keep shooting. Mm-hmm. If you're a baseball player and you know you're you know getting a hit ten percent of the time, which will get you benched mm-hmm. and or removed from the league yep. with that level of success. Which baseball's crazy that thirty percent success rate it's is great. like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know ten percent is is what you can do. If you take ten days off, when you come back, what's your batting average? It's still 10%. Mm-hmm. That didn't change. Right. And so there are, you know, I don't want to discount what we just said because for some people, that is going to be the answer. Right. For others, you need to keep shooting. You need to shoot your way out of the slump. Correct. And, and so for some people, I think, and, and I think that, uh, you know, it gets, here's what I think happens in the corporate world. I think that the first two, actually, for all people, I think the first two are, that we talked about just kind of that, like getting rest and not having an overcrowded schedule. Uh, those need to be remembered by just about everybody. Mm -hmm. I think within the pastoral community, this is one that doesn't get enough love Mm -hmm. where sometimes you need to keep shooting. Sometimes like if, if you're sermon blocked Mm -hmm. and you just for some, like you're having trouble being creative and coming up with a new start, just open your Bible to a random page, just close your eyes, open it up, point somewhere randomly. I'm going to do it right now. You ready? Uh, we'll try Please to get the New Testament. I just want to avoid like Song of Songs right now. Uh, okay, Acts chapter 18, 19. I'm going to write a sermon mm-hmm. on Acts chapter 19. Yeah. Paul in Ephesus. Yeah. And and we're going we're gonna to write a sermon on that. And then at the end, maybe it's good, maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do it again with something in the Old Testament. I'm just going to write a sermon yep. and and maybe one of them ends up good or it sparks something in me that uh, like, oh, like 
now I've got something that I'm passionate about, I'm excited yeah. about, and and I can do a sermon series off of. I think the continuing to just kind of shoot in some direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, the old adage that uh, God cannot, God can't move a, or he can't steer a parked car. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, you got to take some steps to try to, uh, you know, get some movement going. Something that this, that kind of goes into that, um, that I want to just dialogue with you really quick because we've, we've never had this conversation, but it's super interesting you know, one of the things as a pastor is I, when I'm at church on Sunday, yes, like I get my cup filled by being with our people, the sheep, but it's different when you just go to church as an attendee versus when you are in the church service. It's just different. So yeah. all that to say, I go to church by going to, listening back to a sermon from the weekend from various churches throughout the week. Um, but one thing that you hear a lot of times in the South is, you know, the Lord gave me this message. Like like the Lord, you know, told me that this is what we're going to preach about. And I think where we where pastors can get hung up sometimes is, you know, you're sitting there and you feel like, okay, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. What what do you want me to preach about? And nothing, you know, like, you, mm. you, you, like you're, you're, you're not getting, there's there's nothing inherently that is like pulling at you. And then you, then you start to go down this rabbit trail of, Am I not hearing from God? You know, is, is God not speaking to me? Is there something that is inherently wrong with me? Where it, it's like, you don't want to be a bull in the china shop and not be sensitive to the spirit and, and the spirit's leading. But the reality is there are some times where like the word doesn't return void. And so you might not feel led in one direction, but you know what? If you look at Acts chapter 18 and pray about it and 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 prepare your best, it's not a wasted sermon. Maybe that's exactly what someone needed. And you know, that's how, how God can speak. So I don't know. I just, I just think it'd be, it'd be a cool dialogue of that whole language of God gave me this message. Like that doesn't always look like a, a, a darn near audible, like you are going to preach this message and that kind of thing. So, you know, cause I think when you're in a slump, you, it's hard to hear anything and feel any creative juices. So you can kind of start to question Am I not hearing from God right now? Yeah, I have a, so I have a group. Uh, we'll give a shout out to uh, a group of four young adults. Uh, they graduated our youth ministry within the last few years. Uh, and the, all four of them are back as uh, as youth leaders now. And uh, they do a Bible study together on Wednesday nights before youth services. Nice. And uh, they, we just had this conversation, you know, the night before we're recording this episode where they, we were talking, they, they had the question, they're reading through Acts chapter 12, uh, you know, Peter, I think it's 10 or 12, uh, Peter is uh, getting his vision uh, from God of, of like, Carnivorous. hey, here's this sheet of meat, mm. kill it, you know, get up and eat it. Uh, you know, scholars will debate for centuries whether that was a great dream or Peter was just really hungry. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, afterwards, it says that the Lord told Peter, like, hey, these guys are coming to knock on the door. Don't question it. Just go with them. Mm-hmm. And and they were they kind of got into this conversation with amongst the forum, like, how come that doesn't happen as much today? Like like that that just such a clear audible voice of God, right. like, hey, go with those guys. Yep. Uh, and and the thing that I challenged it because they asked me about it. The thing I challenged them on was, well, how did how does the Bible say? that God spoke to Peter in that moment. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It just says the Lord told Peter, or the spirit said it was yeah. something like that. Probably depending on your translation. I think that, you know, people get hung up too often on like this great revelation of like 
you know, you drop your Bible and it opens to Acts chapter two. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I guess God wants me to preach on Acts chapter two, which right. would be a great way to pick out sermons. Absolutely. By the way. But uh, that would be, yeah, you got like a big ladder and you just like drop the Bible 20 times and there's your next 20 sermons. Uh, It seems like a little bit of a sacrilegious way to, like you're damaging a Bible probably. But anyways, uh, that is, uh, I I think that that's a great way to get tripped up where Mm -hmm. if all I'm depending on is this audible voice or this very, very clear message from God on what to preach you got to look for God's voice in more than that. Yeah. I don't know. That That's just... That's so good. I, I, I think that there are... It's it's almost the same thing as like when students ask like, oh, like I don't know if God wants me to go get an engineering degree or if God wants me to... Uh, be an accountant. Be an accountant at this uh, accounting firm that we've made up. Do we have a name for this accounting firm? We really uh, need one. We're good at coming up with random names. Numbers. Numbers accounting firm. This is, I don't know why that was so hard for us to come up with. That's brilliant. Um, real quick. So my wife and uh, and a friend of ours uh, are looking at like, oh, like we really love to like have the, like a, almost a, like a bakery, like an at-home bakery mm-hmm. where like they could like sell bread at farmer's markets and stuff like that. And they're trying to come up with a name for their bakery. Bread right? of life. It is risen. Get it? Because it's yeastful bread, too. Like, I thought that was brilliant. Absolutely. And they didn't want it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's <laughs> awesome. Because, like, you know, like, bread of life, like, some of the biblically named, like, it's easy to come up with a bread-themed right. Bible name yep. for your bread company. But, like, bread of life is used. or Like, that's overused. It is risen. No one's done that. Anyways, uh, I, I am opening my Bible here because I knew I had a note that was along these lines. You know, if for a young person trying to figure out their career or, or trying to make a decision in life, a lot of times they get caught up on, am I hearing, like, I need to hear God's voice. Like, God's got to tell me what to do. Like, ask yourself these three questions. One, what am I gifted in? Mm-hmm. Two, can I do it with excellence? And three, can I do it in Jesus' name? Wow. If I can answer those three things satisfactorily, then God can use me in that position. And I don't need to like sit here waiting for a neon blinking sign of right. whether I should be an accountant at numbers accounting firm or whatever, or, or a baker at it is risen. Like God can use both of yeah, those. For sure. Why? Because they're named after Bible themed companies. <laughs> <laughs> no, like if, if, if you're, if God's given you gifts, if you can, you know, pursue it with excellence to honor him and you can do it in Jesus name and you can like love people in the pro like that's all he wants for sure. And, and I think that writing sermons can be that easy coming up with sermon series can be that easy. Like it's the freaking word of God. Yeah. <laughs> we do not need, it doesn't need our help. Right. Yeah. Preaching it. I had, I real quick, one more thing then I promise I'll shut up because I feel like I've been talking a while. Uh, I had lunch with a youth pastor uh, about a week ago, and we were talking about like the older we've gotten, both of us have gone less. We we've gone more toward exegetical, exegetical. preaching and less into topical preaching. It's yep. probably about for both of us. We were talking about maybe eighty twenty at this point for sure. And he had a line. Uh, his name is Chandler, and and I'll give him a Chandler shout out Moore? here. 
no, not Chandler Moore, <laughs> uh, not Chandler Bing either, Dang uh, it. but a different Chandler. Uh, but I'll give him a shot because his line was money. Uh, it was like, I if I get to heaven, and and God looks at me and is like, man, I I really wish that that you had told more of your own stories when you were preaching. I can live with that. It's not great to hear constructive criticism from God when you get yeah, to heaven on right. how you preached, but I can live with that. If I get to heaven and God looks at me and says, man, I really wish you had preached more of my story. That hurts. Yeah. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and loved, loved the line. And yep. so that was, that was one where uh, I, I think that like just, preaching the word of God, if you're, if you really have that much writer's block that you can't come up with a sermon, start in Genesis one and preach your church through the entire Bible. And when you're done, start you'll over and do it again, <laughs> or you'll be dead. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, what you just described in the last 20 minutes of you speaking, <laughs> just kidding. You did, you did really good. Um, uh, I, part of it's going to seem sacrilegious. Part of it's going to seem exactly spot on. All right. If you are in a slump, if you are in this leadership fatigue, um, you're going to have to lean on some other people and other resources for sure. You know, like, let me make something abundantly clear. The Bible is an endless source of content, personal and professional in the, in our context as pastors. It's enough for you to grow in your, in your faith. It's enough for you to have a greater understanding of God there is so much depth to that book that is untapped because we just don't have the context. We don't have the education. And to be perfectly blunt, we don't have the time to dig into all the nitty gritty of it, but you could spend your entire life looking in that word and still find new revelations forever. It's an endless source of content for you in your life and your leadership. And it is a, what I'm about to say can easily be taken the wrong way, right? Because some people rely on that book not enough and more on the newest author and his newest work and the newest tagline that he has in that book. <clears throat> However, if you are a leader, you should be digging into other resources. I hate to say it this blunt, but the matter of fact is if you are a pastor and you want to grow in a, as a leader and as a person, you need to be reading. You just do. You got to be reading something beyond like just the word. And again, the word's enough to be perfectly clear. The word is enough, but in a way, um, if you're not willing to pick up other books or podcasts or blogs or go to a leadership conference, it can kind of be a pride thing because yeah. what you're essentially saying with your actions is they don't have anything constructive to tell me, which, which again is probably not your heart, but like that, that is just like the stone cold reality is, is it like possible for me to have the opinion. I don't want to go because I want to snuggle my newborn daughter. Uh, that's a, is that's that a, acceptable. That's an acceptable response. Okay, cool. But you still read. Just wanted to make sure you still read. Yeah, that's true. As much as I can. Yeah. Well, you know, exactly. But there's, there's that. But like, like that's my point. It's like that, that's a like bona fide like legitimate reason is like, I'm in the same boat. It's like, by the time I get my kids to bed and spend some time with my wife and I'm like, at the end of the day, it's hard to pick up a book, but guess what? On my 25 minute drive over here, I was listening to an in-depth like commentary teaching of the book of Matthew, you know, because you I go. want to dig into 
like it was like a podcast. And so my point is, is like, if you are in a spiritual rut, it is very much in bounds for you to glean off of what God is speaking to somebody else. If you can't hear what God's speaking to you, it doesn't mean God is going to just stop speaking. He's speaking to other people. So listen to what he's saying through other people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love what you just touched on is like that spoke to you. Like what, what God was speaking to Chandler spoke to you, you know? And so look at the 12 disciples that Jesus had around him. They were all so different. Like they were all so, so different. They had different backgrounds for some of them. They had different demeanors. They had different personalities. There was a reason for that, right? Like they all had different giftings. They all had different, you know, sets of skills, but they also had different unique circumstances that would help them grow and benefit from each other. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's my thing is like you and I see eye to eye on a lot of things, but like there are also perspectives and things that you see that I don't, that's that strengthen me and hopefully vice versa, you know? And so it's one of those things. If, if you are fatigued as a leader, like my question to you is like, what are you doing about it? You know, are you just kind of sitting there and going, oh, I'm just, I'm just tired. And I, I, I'm just in a rut. Like it's fine to admit that you're tired, go to bed, get some rest, take a vacation. But guess what? When you get back, sit down and get a list of five books you want to read. Ask people that you know and respect, what are you reading right now that has been really impactful for you? Like do something about your fatigue or else you're never going to change it. Like it's never going to change. And so like, it, it, it just goes back to, I, I really believe that sometimes leadership slumps are just purely a lack of resources. You know, yeah. you, you've stopped and here's kind of been the gut check for me as you know, I'm now in technically year two of lead pastorship. Like I, I'm officially past the one year mark. And like, now that I've been in this for over a year, I, it's kind of revealed some things about me uh, and about how like I'm leading in some really convicting ways. And what God kind of began to show me is he goes, is my ministry should be an overflow of what he's doing in my life. You know, if you feel stuck as a leader, maybe it's because you feel stuck in your own walk with the Lord. And so maybe the answer is not always like, how can I get out of this for the sake of my sheep? But how can I get out of this for myself on behalf of my sheep? You know, like, yeah. Even if we want to bring that into our numbers accounting firm, if you are kind of the manager of the office, you're the leader of the office, mm-hmm. CEO, whatever. Uh, you know, if you are continual, like one of the best ways for you to lead your team is for you to be continually pursuing the latest in accounting. I don't like, I don't know, but like if, if you are, uh, you know, you are learning new accounting tips. You are familiarizing yourself continually with updates in laws or, uh, you know, different things that you can do to grow personally. Mm-hmm. You leading your team is going to be an overflow of of some of the yeah. knowledge you're acquiring. And I, I agree there there's a balance. Like, should the Bible be first on the list? Yes. Should the Bible be the only thing on the list? It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I don't think it needs to be mm-hmm. with, with a lot of the great content out there. Like you're going to encounter people that just like they read the book of James di- a little with a different life experience than you did. And so it's through a different lens and something else popped out on the page to them yeah. that didn't for you. Yep. And then they can, you know, you guys can both grow out of that. And so, yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, that's, that's a, a really, really good point. And so, uh, you know, all of this to say like, 
I would encourage our listeners not to feel like they are doing something wrong. You know, when they when and not if they experience one of these leadership fatigue moments, because it's going to happen. They they come for us all. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of us are going to experience this. uh, But when it does, you know, finding ways to, uh, you know flip our rhythm a little bit, whether that's, I need to try something different. I need to take a vacation or go to bed. Uh, I need to pick up a new book. I need to put down, you know, the book. Uh, The controller. Or the controller. That's fair. Whether that is a video game controller or a TV remote, like take your pick. Uh, You know, I, I need to not force it. I need to force it. Like, assess where you're at. Do do a little bit of self-reflecting. Figure out where you're at and try all of them. Like, yeah. try, try not forcing it and then try forcing it. And maybe one of those works. Try going to bed. Mm-hmm. Try getting no sleep. Nope, don't do that <laughs> one. Uh, <laughs> you know, like... Stay up all night. Do... do a lot of these different things, and and one of them is gonna click. Yep. Probably multiple of them are gonna click. Uh, spend you know spend extra time with your family. Spend you know up the time you're spending with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two things you could just do whether you're experiencing leadership fatigue or not. Yeah. Uh, but I think our point is, you know, you don't need to feel bad no. when when these things happen. But we want to encourage you to take some sort of action to upset the rhythm that you're in yeah, because that's likely what's going to kind of flip you out of that fatigue. For sure. Yeah. I think getting leadership fatigue is not indicative of, of who you are and where you're at. I think your response to it is. Yeah, that's good. Your choice to remain in that fatigue will say more about your leadership yeah. than the fact that you are fatigued. Cause a lot of times that fatigue is things beyond your control. Sometimes it's a result of, again, I go back to this, like you're, you're in a unique season of where you have a new, like an infant at home, like that, that's going to naturally just change some of your rhythms just by default, you know, like that's not indicative of you. It's just a change of your life circumstance. So how you choose to adapt to it says a lot more than just accepting like, yeah, like just, it's tough right now. I'm just going to ride it out. Like, okay, you're gonna ride it out for, you know, the rest of your life. Like you got, you just got to figure out a new rhythm. So yeah, no, dude, that, that's super good. And yeah, it's, I love that. It's not a matter of, if, but when, so what are you going to do about it? True. Uh, reminder, we've got our Instagram uh, contest going on right now. Go give us a follow at how not underscore YP. Uh, shoot us a message as to what you like best about the podcast, and you could be entered to win a $25 gift card uh, to either White Castle or, or in and out or in and out or literally or wherever Pizza Ranch you or want. Uh, it doesn't have to Burger be food King at all. Or Wendy's or Xbox or there PlayStation <laughs> or Amazon. V-Bucks. Uh, <laughs> Audible. Uh, oh, that'd be good. Uh, Does anybody use like the iTunes gift cards anymore? I, remember I don't get, know. Like you, you, that- you get like Spotify gift cards. Like, yeah. But who uses those? I don't know. Uh, somebody will find a use for for $25. I, I promise that. Uh, but that does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. On behalf of Derek, I am going to go uh, buy some plane tickets to either Carolina or Which the Grand one? Canyon. Either way, I'm going to charge it to Derek's credit card. Goodbye. Goodbye.